Let's start this podcast off, Chuck Koplinski. Real talk with Chuck and Pam. We took last week off. I was sicker than a dog, but I'm back. I'm just You're coughing back. up along. Coughing up along. You know what? It's going around. Yeah. It yeah. is really going around. So. And it wasn't COVID. I took two COVID tests and they both came, came up negative. So I think it was just a nasty upper respiratory thing. Well, again, that's going around. Yeah. So, I mean, my wife has it as well. So, yeah, it's not like uh, I'm just lucky I have not yeah. had it as of yet. So, yeah, my husband uh, escaped it as well somehow. Um, but while I was sick, you and I were supposed to go on a trip to New York City, courtesy of Netflix. You, but you went instead of um, both of us going. Thank you for repping Real Talk you, with Chuck and Pam. You didn't miss a thing. Oh, I certainly did. <laughs> Why don't you... <laughs> just a few things. I'm just trying to make you feel good. <laughs> don't, don't. Just let let our listeners know some of the highlights of, of what went on and why you were there. Um, their big uh, awards film, I think. Well, they've got quite a few things in the pipe, in the pipe uh, for awards season here. Uh, but one of their bigger ones is Bradley Cooper's film, Maestro which is a biopic of Leonard uh, Bernstein. And I was, I found out Bernstein, Bernstein, not Bernstein, Bernstein. Uh, (laughs) And Cooper plays Bernstein. Uh, He also co-wrote the screenplay, uh, directed the film, produced it. He's doing the whole Orson Welles thing. Uh, So that was premiering, North American premiere at the New York Film Festival. Netflix flew us out for that. Uh, but what was really cool was the morning of that, the, f- the film was at Monday night, the morning of that, they gave us a tour of Carnegie Hall. Wow. And it was so neat. Gosh, I bet was it was. It cool. uh, I've always wanted to go there. had never been there. Uh, and they took us behind the scenes. Uh, they took us at various levels within the auditorium area. Uh, so, so cool. I learned so much. And uh, now I got to go back and see a show there. I don't care. I don't, I don't care what it is. I just want to go back now and just see a show and, and be there. The, you know, just not just the name, but also once you get in there, you understand. You start to understand what makes it so special and why it's, you know, a, a pinnacle of so many people's careers to say, hey, I played Carnegie Hall. Did you so, have any ghosts whispering in your ear while you were there? It's nope. supposed to be haunted, right? No, nope. isn't any place supposed to be haunted? Oh, come on, come I mean, on, Chuck, one, play along. One person's one person's ghost is another person's draft. I've always said that, okay? Um, <laughs> but uh, so we went there, saw the movie, talked to some great people involved with the movie, uh, the co-writer, uh, production designer. Really interesting guy I, I, I talked to was, uh, he was the conductor consultant and he taught Bradley Cooper how to conduct. And I did not say how do you use the little stick? I, I turned because I you warned me against that. I did. And so I did say baton. <laughs> I said baton. Yay for you. Yeah. So those interviews will be coming. My reviews already posted on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, obviously, when it comes close to the release date, we'll pull, publish shows as, as well in the other publications I am. And we'll review it on CBS 58 as well. But uh, so again, Netflix. I don't know what we did to deserve this, but they always take such good care of us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Netflix. Awesome. Very, very cool. Um, I am hoping that they do another trip and I hope that I am healthy and able to go to the next one. Um, we've it's had not a- the same without you. So you better, you know, yeah. Well, I've, be I've, gone, 
I've gone to these things without you and I quite I agree. Real talk with Chuck and Pam has to be Chuck and Pam to make it feel right. That's right. I agree. Uh, what did you see this week that you, that's a biggie or that you want to warn people against? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, Do you know, it's funny. While I was in New York, I walked over to Times Square with a friend, a uh, young friend of mine, a uh, daughter of a friend of mine. She had never seen The Exorcist, the original, and okay. they were running it again uh, for the 50th anniversary. And also, I'm sure to prime the pump for this shitty sequel that came out. Oh, how do you feel and, about it? Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? And, and I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, but it never fails to have an impact on me. <sighs> So transgressive in the way it did things, so forceful in what it talks about. You know, people talk about it as a horror film, and it is a horror film, but it's also a, a film about faith. It's I, I think it's a religious film more than it's a horror film because it's all about faith. It's all about how important and and you know when when things are going well for you, it's easy to believe in God or wh whatever you believe in. When things are going bad, though. That's when the true test is. And that's what this film's all about. And it was neat to see it again the other night with a crowd because I could tell in the audience there were people who hadn't seen it from the reactions and things like that. Fun. And that and that reinstill and that you know gets the enthusiasm up in me as, as well. And I had a good conversation with uh Megan afterwards, the young lady I went with. And I don't know if I I, I don't know if it's a good thing that I saw it before seeing Exorcist Believer or not, but Exorcist Believer is, is I'm just going to use a term, I don't know if I've used it before, a checklist movie. Okay. They have, there's a checklist of things they've got to include, and they just check them off, check them off, check them off. And all these things are done with little enthusiasm. It's as though we've got to do this. We've got to have a scene in which uh, the girls are puking. We've got to have a scene in which, you know, everyone's doubting. We got, they, they just hit the checklist. But it's all done in just a rote manner. The, it, this is just a lazy film. And there's no reason for it. I mean, you know, there are certain films that you never want to re never remake. There are certain films that you should never have a sequel to. And The Exorcist is one of them because you're never, ever, ever going to recreate the impact that that film had. Right. The way it, it changed the horror genre. It, you're never going to do that. So why bother? I mean, obviously it's for the money. But... Um, yeah, just a colossal waste of time. David wow. Gordon Green, the guy who directed the last three shitty Halloween sequels, he's oh. in charge of these three films because there's supposed to be three of them. I'm hoping this thing bombs so that maybe they won't do the other two. Right. Um, I will say this one was not as graphic as the Halloween films. Thank God. Okay. Uh, but it's just, why? That's the only thing I, I asked at the end, just why? So, yes, skip that, please. I'm going to be looking at the box office big time on this one because, like I say, I'm hoping it just caves in. All right. Well, skip that one. And I took one for the team. You did. You did. I texted you and said, should I go? And you said no. <laughs> oh. So I trust you like everybody else should. Exactly. Right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Aha, on most movies. Okay. <laughs> uh, there was one that you saw that you really, really liked. And I'm hoping it spreads out in theaters. I, I do too. This is one that you're going to have to look for. It's not playing everywhere, but if you can find it, check it out. It's called She Came to Me. And I believe Rebecca Miller is the writer and director of this film. Um, she's not a, a, a 
I guess a household name, if you will. But you know who she is. Tell me. Playwright Arthur Miller. That's her daughter. His daughter. Oh my gosh! I did not know that. You know who her husband is? Who? Daniel Day Lewis. Oh my goodness! Okay. Wow. They met while the, he was doing the Crucible. Arthur really? Miller's play. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Very good. Well, that's a great piece of information. Well, there you go. I'm not. I'm not quite sure where she gets her eccentric sensibilities, if you will, because let me tell you, she came to me is one oddball movie that I was delighted to see. And you and I talk about endings. Endings can make or break. Uh -huh. This yep. ending was so unexpected. And I'm still chuckling out, out loud right now, just thinking about what the ending of this strange movie was. It's about a an opera composer who has writer's block. And he is, you know, trying to figure out how is he going to come up with his next great, brilliant co composition for the next great opera. And he happens to be married to um, uh, uh, Anne Hathaway, who plays um, Patricia. Um, and Patricia is a therapist. And oh, my goodness, she has some quirks. Let me tell you. She's um, definitely very methodical and organized and only certain things can happen on certain days. And it's obvious by the fact that their relationship, um, Steve <laughs> the, is the composer played by Peter Dinklage and his wife, Patricia, met I, I'm during I'm therapy. Sorry. I'm sorry I'm laughing, but as you were talking about her, I, I remember there's a moment in which she suddenly realized she has extra time. She says, let's clean. I know. <laughs> she loves to clean. There is something really cool about cleaning though. If it would only stay clean. I did. Right. Uh, I did relate to some of her idiosyncrasies, which scared me a little bit. Anyway, I digress. So she sends her husband, Stephen, played by Peter Dinklage off for a walk with the dog because he needs to clear his head and she needs some space from him because I think he's driving her nuts because of his rider's block. Yep. And he happens to go past a bar and he goes past it and then he comes back and it's almost like he hears a siren song beckoning him into the bar. He sits down at the bar and this woman dressed in a raincoat and galoshes comes mm -hmm. up to the bar i didn't recognize her at first it was marissa tomei who mm -hmm. plays katrina she is a tugboat captain which things. <laughs> <laughs> so they have i don't know it's great though he goes, he goes back to her tugboat and, and who wouldn't i'm not gonna make any <laughs> jokes based on that and anybody come back to my tugboat yeah <laughs> <laughs> they have a, a little a little affair a little one night stand um he has found his muse for his music as he tumbles off the dock and down to the bottom of the ocean for a couple of seconds and an epiphany comes to him and he knows what his next opera is going to be oh what a hoot that is and he thinks the world is going well again he's a, a hit again until he realizes Katrina has fallen in love with him well there are so many side stories but not too many He's got a stepson, uh, Patricia's uh, son from a uh, first marriage, Julian, played by Evan Ellison, who's a brilliant young man. His whole future is ahead of him. He's in high school and he is in love with Teresa, who happens to be their cleaning lady's daughter, unbeknownst to everybody until one very awkward interaction occurs. Yes. Um, her mom and dad are a unique couple. Um, 
Trey uh, is played by Bar uh, Brian Darcy James, and that's her stepfather. And he is a court stenographer. Initially, you would think that he was a lawyer, but then we quickly find out he is not a lawyer. He Whoa. is a stenographer. Um, so all, all of these, this cast of characters, they're bizarre. I mean, I don't know how you would think up tugboat captain stenographer versus having a lawyer and um the relationship between julian and Therese, the two high school kids um has its own issues that truly spiral out of control and there are realistic elements placed in all of this fanciful story that that really keeps you engaged throughout the entire movie um, I had so much fun watching this because I never knew where it was going to go. And I was yeah. constantly surprised yeah. and I was laughing and I was like on the verge of tears. And then I was angry at parts. I had every emotion and then bam, the ending, I would never have seen how to wrap up that final scene was brilliant. I had so much fun with this movie. You know, we, we talk about, you're right. We talk about endings. And, but also, I mean, the whole notion that nine times out of 10, when we sit down for a movie within 20 minutes, we know, you know, how this whole thing is going to end. And like you say, I had no idea where this thing was going. And quite frankly, I was getting a little frustrated with me, uh, with it, uh, because I was, you know, the two storylines as they unfold, I'm like, these seem so disparate. I mean, how in the world? are these things going to, to to connect? And I'll be damned that when they did, I'm like, oh, oh, oh this is right. really interesting. So, it, it is. To it me, that, that reminded me so much of Shakespeare because he has all these off-the-wall characters that have all these different stories going on. And then somehow, eventually, we see them starting to collide and then not just collide, but intermingle. And they all make sense and they all need each other right. to give us that right. ending. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you say who would think of a tugboat captain and, you know, <laughs> but also who would think of casting Peter Dinklage in this role? Right. Uh, which which really, really works. Completely it does work. Works. Um, and, and Hathaway as the troubled therapist, the, the ending when we find out where her life takes her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, and this is one of the one of the ones, you know, you say we're going to have to look for this. I want to circle back on a later podcast when this becomes more available, like on streaming. OK. Or if you can rent it at home, because this is one that people need to find. And I have no idea why. But the, the flywheels over at Rotten Tomatoes, for some odd reason, this is at 48 percent. Ah, really? Tomatoes. Yes. Even though or 46 percent, 52 reviews, 46 percent. Uh, I know you and I have both posted our positive reviews to bolster this one. Right. It, that's a head scratcher to me. I don't understand why people haven't had the reaction that we've had. So we want to get behind this one. We're going to keep mentioning this one when it becomes more available because I, I think it's one of those that when you watch it, you'll tell someone else to watch it. Right. And they'll say, oh, wow, that was really great. At least I think so. So but, I completely uh, yeah. agree. I completely agree. So seek that one out again. It is called She Came to Me with Peter Dinklage, Anne Hathaway and Marissa Tomei. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm, I'm thinking about the uh, the operas that he writes. Yes. Yes. Then there's that. I mean, <laughs> what, what, what is that all about? I know, right? <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> and his reaction when he's blocked, you know, when he's approached at the beginning by one of his backers. And also, uh, Anne, the Hathaway character, there's she's got a, a patient, a therapist patient, who is in the middle of having the therapy session of his dreams. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then it goes horribly south. <laughs> Just horribly off the rails. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, I want to go watch it again. I know, I know. <laughs> this is something that I would watch over and over again. I'd watch it with other people because I want to see their reactions to watching it, you know? I agree. I All agree. right. I think yeah. I think we have gushed over this one. Please yeah. check out She Came to Me. And yeah. I'd like for you, because I don't want to talk about this one, I would like for you to talk about Fair Play. Well, I want, I want to talk about this one with you because... <laughs> I think there's a distinction to be made here. And I've noticed something. I, I, yeah, Fair Play is a hard movie to watch. There's no question about it. Um, what's the young lady's name? Phoebe Donover? Phoebe yeah, Donover. Denever? Den I'm not sure how to Denever. pronounce her last name. She's yeah. on the Bridgerton, which uh, I was informed of yesterday on the air. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I don't watch that. I don't either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, she plays a woman in this in this film called Fair Play, uh, and um, she's dating a guy played by uh, Alden Enric. Um, they work the same um, financial firm in New York City, high stakes stuff, high pressure stuff. Uh, they both work there together. They're living together, dating. They're not supposed to be according to company policy, uh, but they're doing that anyway. They're in love. Uh, I think he's more enamored with her than she is with him. Um, and then something happens. Uh, one of the guys, one of the senior execs at the firm has a complete meltdown, and which was hilarious to see. Uh, and uh, that opens up a position. And the scuttlebutt is, is that he is going to get the promotion, but she gets the promotion instead. And... Uh, he says he's happy for her. We believe him for a while. She says, don't worry, I'm going to look out for you. Next time there's a promotion, I'm going to put a good word in for you. And then, of course, things start to fall apart. Uh, the, the tension between them starts, you know, uh, subtly, and then it gradually becomes his resentment is obvious. Uh, her, she's in a much worse position, though, because she has just, she's been inducted into this boys club uh she's got to you know not only do well but also prove that you know she can do better than them. has to get over their preconceptions of well she's a woman and then of course there's all the whole conception that uh everyone's saying she slept her way to the top um there's a very well there's many uncomfortable scenes but there's a moment in which they go out to celebrate something that she's done well and she feels compelled to say let's go celebrate at this high-class strip club where they usually would go to celebrate. You know, she's, she has to compromise herself in order to fit in. And this thing just takes a, a wicked turn in the third act. Um, like I say, it's uncomfortable. It deals with a lot of uncomfortable things. Uh, you know, sexual politics, uh, workplace politics, all that stuff and how it just erodes the relationship. It's a movie I admire. It wasn't you didn't leave me feeling all that well at the end, but it is very well done. And I was engaged from beginning to end. And so that's that's why I'm recommending it. I mean, it's dealing with some important issues. And like I say, I think it's very well done all the way across the board. 
All right. I will not disagree with you on the fact that it was very well directed. I mean, cinematically, um, you're there. You're in every moment, every moment, even mm. when you don't want to be. Sure. Um, I was actually rather surprised that this was written and directed by a woman, Chloe Domont. I was shocked. I, I, I was. It's based on some experiences that she's had. Okay. Um, I I think the I, I had I had issues with the third scene with some and I don't want to give anything away so I'm not going to tell you what that is but Chuck you know what I'm talking about and that's a head scratcher to me yeah that scene I I understood I mean this is about toxic masculinity this is this is and I know that's a catchphrase but it it truly is about how how women have to be men to succeed in a man quote-unquote man's world and the hedge fund business or investment strategy, banking, whatever it was, the high finance stuff, definitely a man's world, much more so than a woman's, um, stereotypically. Um, so I didn't understand the message of this movie to me was um, we need to morph in, we, meaning women, need to morph into being men to, to succeed. And... Well, I think the message is that there's still a long way to go. You know, uh, progress has been made, uh, but obviously not enough. Uh, there, 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 there's a great little moment where, you know, they're going through like workplace seminars that they have to go through about, you know, uh, conflict resolution and, uh, you know, sexual harassment and that kind of shit. And you can just see by the expressions on their face is like, yeah, we got to do this shit. We ain't going to change anything, but we right. got to do it. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think she's just pointing to the fact that change still needs to occur. And maybe also the message is, is that it never will change, at least enough. Because well, uh, I, I find it to be a very nihilistic film by the end. Right. Well, and, and I, you know, in that third scene, it was it was male dominance all the way across. Male dominance. You mean third so, scenes or, or the third act? Third act, third act, sorry, third act. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, in the in the worst way. In the worst and way. And then, yeah, and then the way that she is then forced to act in the final scene. And not yeah. forced to act, I shouldn't say forced to act, but finds herself acting in right. that way. So uh, is, she, is she being true to herself or she's just succumbing to what works, you know? I don't know. Well, it, 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 I didn't. I didn't love it because I didn't understand why she said she, what she did at the end. Um, not the very end, but. Um, right. Yeah, know, no, I know. What you're yeah. I, I don't want to give it away for anybody who's, who's listening. Well, you haven't seen it. Um, it. It ends abruptly. And I think that that character at that point has some decisions to make, whether she's going to continue in this world or not. I mean, that's, you know, now that she's gotten there and she discovers how this works and is starting to see how it's affecting her, she's she's going to have to figure out what to do. Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah, an uncomfortable watch. But again, I recommend it because it's it's very well done. Two, and the two performances are great. The two performances are, really are great. I just had too many questions about her decisions that she made and why. Um, especially, I think, that... gonna, I, I think she's between a rock and a hard place. Maybe. You know, you know, you work, yeah. you work hard, you work hard, you work hard, you get to where you're supposed to be. And then, holy shit, this isn't what I thought it would be. You know, it's, you know, and, and you're not the person I thought you were even worse. 
Right. So. Well, and, and then just, you know, the stereotypical um, Eddie, Eddie Mars, Marzen, is that his name? Marzen, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like him. And he plays a real prick. Yep, um, he's good at those roles. Yeah, he is. He is. I bet he's a real sweetheart in person. I've never met him before. I would um, hope so. I hope so, <laughs> <laughs> um, But he he's old school male. Um, yes. And he expects so much. And I don't know. It's just everything about it was just uncomfortable. But, that it, there, but, was, but, there was not the redeeming story for me to say, yes, there's a great narrative arc here and I stand behind it. So that I just couldn't get behind the film. But 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 look at what we're doing, though. We're talking about it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. How many movies do we just brush aside after five minutes? Sure. So in, in talking about it, you know, I think that she's accomplished something. And I know this sparked a lot of conversation when it premiered at Sundance earlier this year. Right. So I'm, I'm I'm anxious to see what happens because uh, it started yesterday on Netflix. I'm hoping it pr prompts something. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, we would love it. If you do watch this movie on Netflix, shoot us a, an email or post something on our Facebook page or our website and let us know what you think, especially that yeah. third act. Last 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember texting you like, did she? And I said, wait till the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know we're running out of time here. Is there anything else that you want to mention that is out to see? Um, we uh, no, but we've got the International, uh, Chicago International Film Festival is coming up. And you and I have, have had a love-hate relationship, I think it would say I would say about this. Uh, but this year, the lineup is really, really strong. It really is. Uh, have quite a few films that have buzz awards buzz uh coming to to the festival uh one of them is Saltburn, uh the next film from emerald Fen fennel uh she was the oscar winner screenwriter for promising young woman she also directed that film so so that's coming uh one i'm really looking forward to the bike riders uh with austin butler and Joni Comer and Tom yep. Hardy, Biker Gang, True Story in the 60s and 70s. Uh, Michael Shannon, one of our favorite actors. Yes. Uh, he's got his directorial debut in a film called Eric LaRue. Get a load of the description. Film follows the shell-shocked Janice, played by Judy Greer, as she attempts to navigate the aftermath of a shooting spree caused by her son. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Fincher's new movie, The Killer is going to be there. Um, Rustin with Coleman Domingo. There's a lot of buzz about this one. Uh, Netflix film. Right. Uh, and they just announced a movie called American Fiction, which is getting a lot of buzz. Jeffrey Wright's in that. And if he's in it, I'm there. Always like amazing, that. isn't he? Yeah. And he's, he's diverse. You never know what he's going to do. He's got a, he, he'll do a Pulp Fiction thing. He'll do a, comic book thing then he'll do something serious and he's good and everything so chicago international film festival if you got some time over the next couple weeks definitely check it out go to their website you know there's always something interesting to find especially this year there's there's a lot of good stuff there there i'd like to mention two other things poor things oh from, yes uh, that's directed by yorgos lanthimos yes and um that with looks, Emma Stone. With Emma Stone, it looks like a Frankenstein type of movie. Looks like a Bride um, of Frankenstein thing. That's what I keep hearing it referred to as. And it looks funny and quirky and dark. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe as well. So, yeah, I'm there. Great cast. And then another one, and 
I have to say uh, Chicago International Film Festival has, I think, one of the best selections of foreign flicks. So if you're yes. if you love foreign movies, this is this is your festival to go to. And if you want to take a chance and expand a little bit and try a foreign movie, they choose some pretty awesome ones. There is um, one called The Promised Land, and that is starring one of my favorite actors, Mads Mikkelsen. Um he clashes with a local landowner in in um, Denmark, and what happens with that, I don't know. But I I love him as an actor, and he brings anything and everything to life. It's a biopic, so it should be an interesting thriller to see. All right, and hopefully we'll get to some of this stuff and be able to report on it as well. That sounds great. Real talk with Chuck and Pam. You can take a look at our other reviews from this week as well. Totally Killer and Miranda's Victim on our website, realtalkwithchuckandpam.com. And be sure to check out the Chicago International Film Festival beginning October 11th through the 22nd. And we'll hopefully be doing some interviews and things in the second week of that festival. Yep. All right. Good to All touch right. base with you, Pam Pal. Same to same here, Chuck. I will see you soon.